Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to episode 38 of Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversation based on whatever the hell we want to talk about. I'm your host, Lou Sumbeach Schwalbach. Along with me is Chad Ahuchi Knight. Are you fucking serious? Ha ha ha! This week we're still sticking with the country music bug, but this time we'll be focusing on modern country. Modern country has, still has the elements of the original music sound, such as the slide and the steel guitars, fiddles, and topics such as heartbreak, heartbreak and drinking. The difference, though, is modern country usually adds a bit of kick behind it. There are more electric guitars, drums, and things like that that feature in it that is a little bit more varied than its predecessor. Modern country evolved to make itself more accessible to the masses. This evolution has caused many country music purists to accuse the whole industry of selling out. However, because of the change, even if someone says they're not a fan of country music, they very likely know and possibly even like at least one or two songs that are considered country. With our classic episode, it was determined that all classic country music is going to be before 1985, so the selections on this episode will be from that year or later. So it's time to hitch up your ride to the post, kick up your boots, and sit back while we get this show started. So now when you were reading your intro there, did you say beer? I didn't, but I think we should have something. I think you did say beer. I'd look again. Okay. Oh, there it is. So... uh, so last week we did a some sort of a toffee a, a ale, sticky toffee pudding ale. Yeah, yeah. So this week we're into modern country. Mm-hmm. So I brought in a drink that was a little more modern, as a you know, it's not quite Zima modern, but you know, it's a it's a Heffenweizen, Heffenweizen that's got a blueberry flavor to it. It's made by Wasatch Brewery in Utah. So uh, let's give it a try. Why don't you give it a try and see what you think? It's got a fruity smell to it, much like some people I know, not you, but other people. Let's see what we got. Okay, I can taste the wheat. I can definitely taste the berries. Yeah, it's definitely a Heffenweizen. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's the not berry bad. sits on the back of the tongue. It does. It reminds me, honestly, it reminds me of Blueberry Hubba Bubba. A little bit. A little that, bit. In fact, I just remember getting that from Menards way, way back in the day when it was back where the Kmart Plaza was. Yep, yeah. Yep, that's what it reminds me. It's good. I do like that. Yeah, that's not bad. It, it's a lot lighter than last week's. It was, yes, it, which is surprising because usually the wheat beers are a lot heavier. They can be, oh, but wow, a Hefenweizen is is always a light beer. Uh, this is really sticking with you too, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, oh wow. Not so in a bad way either. It's just I'm still chewing it. So. <laughs> so should I kick this bad boy off? Well, let's just put a quick note on here. First thing, because Chad chose all the songs for classic, uh-huh, um, I yeah. chose the song for this one. Oh, and we have to do trivia. Yes, we do. That's the other reason. So here is your trivia question. All right. I'm two and two, so I gotta get to the good side again. Alright, going for over 500. There are only three artists that have been named to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Country Music Hall of Fame. Name them. All three of them? I'll give you credit if you get at least two. Alright, I'll think about that for the next hour, but I have an idea of at least two. They're not out of the ordinary artists, you know them all. I will, I'm sure I will I tell do. you that. I, I'm pretty sure I know at least two of them, so. All right, very good. So that is our trivia question for this week. Why don't you kick it off? All right, so I'm going to kick it off with uh, My Front Porch Looking In. It's a song written by Richie McDonald, Frank J. Myers, and Don Frimner and recorded by American country music group Lone Star. It was released in March 2003 as the first single from the band's album From Here, or I'm sorry, From There to Here, Greatest Hits. The song reached the top of the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart and peaked at number 23 on the Billboard Hot 100. There is only one band who would dare you strawberry jam on me. Lone Star. I was wondering if you were going to work that in or not. Let's have a listen. I'll never beat the view from my front porch looking in. There's a carrot top looking barely walk with a sippy cup of milk. A little blue-eyed blonde with shoes on wrong because she likes to dress herself. And the most Well, 
well played, my friend. The song describes how the sight of his beautiful wife and two adorable children is far better than anything, including his panoramic view of his estate or the paintings from the air brushed by the hand of God. He also describes that after seeing the whole world, he can't wait to get back home to the one he made for me. Lone Star began in 1992 as a band named Texasy, which is a, an amalgamation of Texas and Tennessee. The name was derived from the fact that all five members were natives of Texas and met in Nashville, Tennessee's Opryland USA theme park. The original lineup consisted of lead singer and rhythm guitarist Richie McDonald, lead guitarist Michael Britt, drummer Randy Keach Rainwater, keyboardist Dean Sams, and bass guitarist, lead, and backing vocalist John Rich. Before Lone Star's foundation, Rainwater and Britt were members of the group Canyon, which recorded two albums for the independent 16th Avenue Records and charted in the country top 40 with Hot Nights in 1989. By 1992, Texas Sea changed its name to Lone Star. The band first played at a concert in Nashville in 1993 and signed to B&A Records in 1995. You know, actually, this is a very good song. I don't know much of Lone Star's body of work, but I do like this song. It's one of those songs where he's just happy to be where he is in life. And it allows him to be, even though he's on the road a lot, you know, touring and doing whatever, mm-hmm. he's always got this positive thing to come home to. Yeah. Which, you know, in a lot of cases for people that we go and spend money to watch, play, and do their art, they don't always have a great home life. Right. It's one of those where it's like, instead of being like, oh, God, I got to go home now. It's like, I get to go home now. And that is my privilege. Right. right. And that's that's great. I mean, I, I enjoy this song as well. A very entertaining song. You do know one of their other songs, Amazed. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Which is, you know, got a lot of radio play as on every, was that every dance or love song, whatever I've heard of. But no, I enjoy this one. It's It just makes me think of home. You know, it doesn't matter yeah. where home was. You know, if home is in the town you grew up in, if home is where you've been living for the last 10 years, if whatever, it's just home and always having something to come to. And that's just great. It's just a really good song, in my opinion, too. No, I agree. All right, so what do you got up? We're going to go ahead and start off with Thunder Rolls. So we're going to go to kind of the bad side instead of the good side. Troyal Brooks. Troyal. Troyal. I guess I'd go by Garth, too. Yeah, Better known as Garth Brooks, is the youngest of six kids in the Brooks household. His dad was a 50s-era country singer, but while he sang at family events, he was more of an athlete. He played baseball and football, went to college on a track scholarship. He did everything, apparently. And he competed... How did that little fat fucker run? I don't know. Well, he competed in javelin. Oh, there you go. There There he didn't really... You had to run, like, what was it, like... 30 yards. 30 yards, something like that. After graduating in 1984 with an advertising degree... He started his musical career singing and playing guitar in bars. Even though he was fond of rock music, experiencing George Strait's Unwound is what pushed him to the direction of country. 85, he went to Nashville to get a contract and was back home in less than a day. He was urged to keep at it by Rod Phelps, and finally, in 87, he and his then-wife Sandy went back to Nashville. He released his self-titled debut in 1989, having a peak at number two in the Billboard chart. His early and middle music were more classic country, kind of influenced by George Strait. His next album, No Fences, where the thunder rolls, I believe, comes off of, is getting more into the the rock. You know, it has friends in little places. It has this this thunder rolls on this one. It has more of a, it does still, it does still tell the story, but it has a power behind it. Yeah, it's less absolutely. Less more power. Let's take a listen to this one here and feel the power. And the thunder rolls. Thunder rolls and the lightning strikes. Another love grows cold on a sleepless night as the storm blows on out of control. Deep in her heart, the thunder rolls. I don't know how much power that really is, but I realized that after I said so, but it is what it is. So. Hey, you know, it's. By the power of Grayskull? By the power of Garth Brooks. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Now, Garth Brooks had a bit of a piss fit, if you remember, with the whole use CDs, artists aren't getting enough money out of it. So him and uh, the the douche from Metallica. Um, Lars, Lars Ulrich. Between that and Napster, they had a huge whatever. So not a big fan of that. But at the same time, I enjoy 
Garth Brooks's work. Thunder Rolls is just a really good song. It's a story. I mean, okay, a good song, but not because of the content. I'm just going to preface that. Fair enough. It's a story of a cheating guy who's coming home to his wife and is one of the first songs I think I ever heard by Garth Brooks. It's he's coming home where, from a place he should have never been. She smells his the perfume on him. And if I guess if you really read into it, she shoots his ass. I think that's what happens in the video also. Actually, there's there's a fourth stanza that was written later on that's where right. she actually shoots him dead with a gun. Yep. Okay. Now, the start of the song is a bit twangy, and it kind of kicks into rock and country. Think of it like Cops, but with a country rock soundtrack. Okay. Well, think about it. Think of it like, you know, like, in the lives of real professionals, police yeah, officers. Yeah, no, I get what on. you're saying. I just, I, I don't know if that's where my mind would have went. That's all. I enjoy the song. I mean, it's... Not, like, the best country song out there. I don't know. Not for the context, but it's... Okay, well, you know, personally, you know, Garth annoyed me with his and Lars's I'm Missing Royalties, even though I'm rich as hell. He may be charitable, but it crossed the line for me. And as far as for the song, it's, again, not the content, but the actual music itself, I think, is a good song. All I'm going to say is Garth freaking Brooks. Yeah. How can you not like his body of work? I mean, almost all his music... I'm going to pause. Two words. Chris Gaines. Okay. That's okay. why you can't like his body of work. Fair enough. There was one good song on that album because I was I was big into Garth Brooks at the time and then Chris Gaines' album came out and like, Garth Brooks doing rock and roll? And I bought the album. I bought the special edition with the with the fancy cover. You and the, silly fool. The whole works. There was one good song on that entire album. So this and is where you should have iTunes the one song. And then, yeah, I remember when that came out. There was an iTunes. Or Napster, because that's what everybody else did. Well. <laughs> but you but, know what I mean. It's, yeah. That was the unfortunate part of our childhood, too, though. Right. Where if we wanted one song, we still had to buy the whole damn album. Unless you were lucky enough and they put out like a super single. Uh, yeah, or if they played it on the radio and you just happened to be there at the right time with a tape in with your finger on the damn pause button. And there wasn't a DJ going, hey, and this song is... Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Like, Motherfucker. But anyway, you know, his music usually focuses on rodeos and bars and things of that nature. But like you said, this one was much darker. It's a song about a cheating asshole. Asshole? Asshole. This is a song about a cheating asshole who gets his comeuppance and in some versions of the song is killed by his wife. I mean... I'm I'm sorry. I'm a big Garth Brooks mark. I didn't even know about the thing with the Napster or with the, all that. Doesn't matter to me because I get it. I get where he's coming from. I do. Too. I get where you're coming from too. With the I've got so much fucking money. I got gold bars hanging out of my pockets. But I get where the artists come from too. Right. Because where does it end? You know, right. I mean, whereas, yeah, he's one of the richer ones, but then there's also probably the poorer ones. But at the same time too, we're going to use the example of Offspring. Offspring is actually for music sharing because it got their stuff out. Yeah, right. a bunch of people were unscrupulous, but then there's other people who got one or two free songs and said, hey, I like this. I'm going to buy the CD, that's, and they did. That's exactly how I use things like Napster and things like that. Is somebody would say, oh, this music's great, and I'd, be out, I'd go out to Napster or Mule or whatever. You know, you get a sample. And get a sample, and I'd listen to it, and I'd be like, okay, I like that song, so I'll listen to one or two other songs by them, and then I'm like, now I'm going to go buy the CD. Exactly. That's the way I did it. But that, And that's how most people did, but it was the people who had, you know, who sat at their computer. And I actually didn't steal music after a certain year. But, no, because um, the fear of getting caught. You know, you get all these stories about the $200,000 lawsuits and everything yeah, else. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not really worth it. Plus, again, too, it's like, how bad is it to maybe if you get your one and then get buy the CD or buy the tape, right. or whatever the case is. And I think maybe originally that's what the whole idea of these shared networks were. Is you get these random assholes who sit there and download like 25 gigs of music in a day. They ruin the bandwidth for everybody else. Right. They steal a shitload of music, and then they are the one bad apple, whereas you get normal people like the rest of us who try it to before buying. That's what I use YouTube for now. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what iTunes is nice for, too, because you get to listen anywhere from like a 10 to a 20-second sample. So it's like, oh, I know that song, or... What? Uh, no. But that's exactly what I use YouTube for now. My girls will be like, Dad, do you know this band? And I'm like, no, never heard of them. And that's actually how I found, you know, certain bands like uh, Florence and the Machine. Okay, yep. That's how I found uh, uh, My Chemical Romance. Sure, My sure. girl said something and I went out to YouTube and I went, what is this? Mm -hmm. You know, and I found stuff I like and they've, they've told me other stuff too. And I'm like, the fuck is that? Like, Troy Sivan. <laughs> yeah. You know, but anyway, back, back to, uh, you know, Garth Brooks is just, 
He's Garth, Garth Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. I mean, there's there's really not a whole hell of a lot to say. He's still, I believe, married with Trisha Yearwood. Yep. Um, he's been recording and touring. He actually suspended his touring to be with his kids, which is admirable. Yeah. I'll give him points for that one. And let's see. He really didn't like music streaming, but I guess now that he's on Sirius XM and has an agreement with Amazon Music, his entire freaking catalog is on there. And he, uh, I don't know, he's big into baseball. That's pretty much all I got for the guy. Yeah, fair enough. So what do you got next? All right, so up next, I am going to do Me and My Gang. It's a song written by Jeffrey Steele, John Stone, and Tony Mullins, and recorded by American country music group Rascal Flats. It was released on April 17, 2006, as the second single from their album of the same name. The song peaked at number six on the Billboard Country Singles charts that year. Me and My Gang is an up-tempo with electric guitar accompaniment, including a talk box in the intro, which was really kind of disturbing. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, exactly. In it, the male narrator talks about traveling across the country with his gang. Tony Mullins, one of the song's writers, said that he came up with the song's main riff while working on another song. Jeffrey Steele then heard the riff and decided that it seemed to fit a title, Me and My Gang, that he had in his mind at the time. While working on recording the song, Rascal Flatts lead singer Gary Lavox called Mullins and asked if the original line, Dude Named King Kong Eaten on a Ding Dong, <laughs> in the song could be changed. The line became, Dude Named Elrod Jamming on an iPod, which Mullins says was the first line that came to him. Try to stay clear of my game. It's a brother and a sister. Rascal Flatts' founding was at a fiddle and steel guitar bar in Nashville, Tennessee. Gary LaVox and Jay DeMarcus are second cousins from a musical family. DeMarcus moved to Nashville in 1992, earning his first record deal as part of a Christian group called East to West. His brother-in-law, James Otto, is also a country music singer. In 1997, DeMarcus called LaVox and convinced him to come to Nashville and provide some harmonies on Michael English's album Gospel, which he was producing. They engineered the album together and became English's backup band. At the same time, DeMarcus had become the band leader of Cheryl Wright's band, where he met Joe Don Rooney. Country music singers and their names. (laughs) Joe Don? Joe Don Rooney, the guitarist in that band. DeMarcus and LaVox were working in a Printer's Alley nightclub when their part-time guitarist could not make it one night. DeMarcus invited Rooney to join them. Jim Riley was the drummer and band leader for the band. The group covered the hit Shenandoah single, The Church, on Cumberland Road that night. To the group's recollection, the bond was formed instantly. Singer Mila Mason recommended the group to record producers Mark Bright and Marty Williams, who played Lyric Street Records A&R Doug Howard a three-song demo, and Howard thought they were just incredible. After he heard the demos, the band went into Lyric Street offices the next day, sat down with acoustic guitars, and played a couple of songs. According to Howard, in an interview with Hit Quarters, the vocals and harmonies were all there. I was just blown away. The lead singer had such a unique and compelling voice. The band was signed to Lyric Street in 1999. I love Rascal Flats. A lot of the stuff they do, I really enjoy. This song, I can't really say that about. Fair enough. It's just one of those songs, I mean, I've heard it before. It's it's very up-tempo. It's, it's, it's just, I don't know, something it's about It's too rock for your country sensibilities. Sure, we'll go with that. That sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. I, what are I, your thoughts? I liked it. It's in the same vein as Leonard Skinner's Red, White, and Blue and Toby Keith's I, Lo- I Love This Bar. It's about basically everybody getting together and party from all walks of life. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter if you are such and such or this and that. I mean, you can be a coal miner. You can be a lawyer. doesn't matter. You can party with our gang. I like the song. It's It's... It's still country. You can definitely tell that. I kind of like the voice box, actually. I'm glad it's only a little bit at the beginning, because if it did more, I think See, it would get irritated. See, I've never been a I've never been a big voice box guy. Oh come even on, Frampton in, rocked it. Frampton did rock it, and that's one of the places I'll make an exception. But even Bon Jovi, uh, Richie Sambora would do the would do what well, I call the Josh draw, but the voice box mm. on occasion. And 
it never added anything to the song for me. I guess it depends on who's doing it. Yeah. And yeah. again, to like it. Like you said, Frampton rocked it. There is something about the song where Frampton's doing it, and and it's great, but... But maybe it's a 70s thing that should have died. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> that could very well be, too. All right, so what do you, what do you got next? All right, next we're going to go with a little Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. Now, this was by Big and Rich, came out in 2004. Big, Kenny Elpin, and John Rich made up this duo band. John was in the business well before Kenny as a founding member of Texas Sea, from which became the band Lone Star, which when you said that, I'm like, I know this. And then you said John Rich, I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> Worked on two albums with Lone Star before departing in 1998, the same year that Big Kenny was signed to Hollywood Records, releasing a rock album a year before. The two met at a club and began collaborating together, their first song together being I Pray For You in 1998. They still worked on other projects. No more beer for you. Exactly. They still worked on other projects together until they founded Music Mafia, which is Musically Artistic Friends in Alliance, which was a roundtable of singers, songwriters, including Cowboy Troy and Gretchen Wilson. They worked on other songs for other artists, including Martina McBride, Gretchen Wilson, and Faith Hill. And it was Martina McBride's manager who suggested they become a duo and actually record together. John Rich kind of balked at it at the beginning, saying that he'd been told that before and that he was too rock for country. And with Big country, uh, and with Big Kenny, that could be way too rock. But in 2003, they got a contract. Their first album in 2004, Horse of a Different Color, peaked at number one and gave us this song here. Let's go ahead and save a horse and ride a cowboy. Cause I saddle up my horse and I ride into the city. Ahead and write For a the record, I prefer a cowgirl, thank you. <laughs> or reverse cowgirl, but whatever. Anyways, moving on. Now, <laughs> god damn it, now that image is in my head. <laughs> now, several hits came off it, including Wild West Show and Holy Water, and they were cited as being wilder and stranger than most contemporary albums of 2004, which I guess is a compliment, I guess. Um, the next two albums did just about as well and started to slow down. They took a break in 2008 when Big Kenny recovered from a neck injury and reconvened in 2011 for the reboot that nobody wanted, which was Footloose. Mm. Like I said, nobody wanted. In 2015, they went and released their next album under their own company, Big and Rich Records, rather than having it held off by the studio they were with. The most recent album was set to release sometime in September of 2017. Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy is the epitome of country rock. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. It's got country elements, but overall it plays to the rock sound, kind of raucous, and is a lot more prevalent in country music today. I personally remember this being played at a country dance bar when I lived down in Iowa, and I actually enjoyed the song. It was fun. You got people dancing for it. I would sit back and drink because I don't dance at bars. And would I listen to all their stuff? No, not at all. This one has enough rock from keeping me from changing the channel, though. So you dance in the shower? Have you seen my shower? There ain't enough room for that. My fat ass can barely move. <laughs> I move around too much and I turn down to cold and that makes the shower turn terrible. There you go. So, so what do you think? Great fun country song about getting a bit of tail with his old iron horse and pitching out $100 bills. And thrills. And thrills. And shoots the kills and mm -hmm. whatever. But I, I think he had a great idea, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I, I really don't have a whole lot to say about this one. Great song, fun song. Really enjoy it. The video, have you seen the video? I have not, actually. The video is a lot of fun. I recommend if you like the song, go watch the video. It's There's a lot of cute girls in that video. I've seen it live, actually. Have you? Yes, and it was entertaining to watch live. And I'm sorry, but I love the beginning of the song where it's like, dun 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 da And then you just hear the picking of the guitar, just the ting, and then it starts in. It's like, right. yes. So... What do you got? All right, so up next, and and I hate you for this. I fucking hate you for this. But I've got to talk about Achy Breaky Heart by <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus. Hey, this was done because you mentioned that you liked his daughter. And you know what? There you go. What's that got to do with this? They're both Cyruses. <sighs> so and I just wanted to hear you squirm. Achy Breaky Heart. You know, the worst thing about this is, is I've seen that song done live. 
I got drugged to the fair when... You got drugged at the fair? <laughs> you wish? <laughs> I wish. No, I got dragged to the fair by my, my wife now, but at the time I believe she was my girlfriend. Billy Ray Cyrus came to the fair. And then he proceeded to get fined at the fair because, you know, the sides where they have those those um, risers that, you can, that hold up like the lights mm-hmm. and stuff, mm-hmm. he started climbing that shit. Okay. That's, that's a no-no in Wausau. There's a lot of things that are known as in Wassa, but we're so not going to go into that. He ended up with like a $300 or $400 fine. So, but anyway. And I'll bet you if he would have said something about that at the concert, people would have thrown money at him. Probably. And we would have paid it. So, Achy Breaky Heart is a country song written by Don Von Tress. Originally titled Don't Tell My Heart and performed by the Marcy Brothers in 1991. Its name was later changed to Achy Breaky Heart and performed by Billy Ray Cyrus on his 1992 album Some Gave All. As Cyrus's debut single and signature song, it made him famous and has been his most successful song. It became one of the first singles ever to achieve triple platinum status in Australia, and also 1992's best-selling single in the same country. In the United States, it became a crossover hit on pop and country radio, peaking at number four on the Billboard Hot 100 and topping the Hot Country Songs chart, becoming the first country single to be certified platinum since Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton's Island in the Stream in 1983. Let's have our hearts broken. Oh, you can tell my lips, you can tell my fingertips, they won't be reaching out for you no more. Don't tell my heart, my achy, breaking heart, just don't think you'd understand. And if you tell my heart, my achy, breaking heart, he might blow up and kill his man. It remains Cyrus's biggest single hit in the U.S. to date, and his only one that reached the top ten of the Billboard Hot 100. And people still fucking dance to it. Thanks to the video of this hit, there was an ex- the explosion of the line dance into the mainstream becoming a craze. This song is considered by some as one of the worst songs of all time. Featuring at number two in VH1 and Blender's list are the 50 most awesomely bad songs ever. I remember watching that list, and I was cringing the entire time. Okay, so... Fuck! <laughs> Why did you do this to me? <laughs> because it was funny. <laughs> okay, so what do you... Obviously, people know what I think of the song. What I, do you think of the song? This I literally have one sentence, and that was that the mulleted one started a dance craze. Thanks a lot, dick. That's all I had to say about it. All right, so what do you got next? All right, we're going to move on. <laughs> all right, next one I have is Dirks Bentley. It's What Was I Thinking? Speaking about getting a little bit of tail. Yeah, no kidding, right? We got Frederick Dirks Bentley, which I'm thinking Dirks is probably a better one to go by. Another modern country star that came from pretty humble beginnings. He didn't study music in school or anything like that. How'd he get his start? He worked for the Nashville Network, TNN, which became Spike. Really? Yes. Researching old country music performances when in 2003 he signed up with Capital Nashville and released a self-titled album which peaked at number four on the country charts. He's been recording and releasing new music relatively recently, as current as 2016 in May. In his career, he's put out eight studio albums, 28 singles, 15 of which have gone number one. 15 out of 28 are number ones. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. What Was I Thinking was the first single off his debut album. Let's take a quick listen. Daddy came out waving that 12-gauge. We tore out the drive. He peppered my tailgate. What was I thinking? Oh, I knew there'd be hell to pay, but that crossed my mind a little too late. Cause I was thinking that a little white tank top sitting right there in the middle by me. I was thinking about a long kiss man just gotta get going with a night like me. I know what I was feeling, but what was I thinking? You know, again, like the prior songs we discussed, it's a fun song to listen to. It's about getting tail. The singer talks about a woman who is so intoxicatingly lovely, 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 yep, lovely, that he's enticed to doing things, many idiot things, in fact, that would normally get his ass whooped. So he keeps asking himself, what was I thinking, but keeps going back to how hot she is. I'm sure we've all been in those positions before, with, with a woman or with friends or whatever, doing dumb shit and questioning her activities. I Have you not done stupid shit? Going, what the hell was I thinking? I did that last week. <laughs> exactly. So, it's a good song about young love, and by love, I mean getting in a pair of jeans with the owner. Yeah, yeah. You know. Or getting I, her out of hers. Whatever, however you want to go about doing it. 
I really like this song. I honestly think this is potentially, in another 30 years, a classic country song. Yeah, I would think a pretty decent one, yeah. You know, it, it, I think it's got the staying power for that. It's just one of those songs where, you know, <laughs> I, I love the line where he's like sitting in a, in a tank, a white t-shirt, you know, sitting right there in the middle by me. And I'm like, okay, I get it. You're not longer thinking with your head. Not that head, at least. Well, <laughs> you're thinking with your head. Exactly. But, you know, it's 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 a great song. I like this song. Um, I really enjoyed listening to it again when we were doing, uh, when I was, you know, writing stuff up and things like that. But I like it. Okay. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a great song. Well, good. I'm glad that you appreciate it. Now let's see what you got next. All right. So up next, man, I feel like a woman. I've heard that about you. <laughs> man, I feel like a woman is a song recorded by Canadian singer-songwriter Shania Twain. And now, this is going to be an aside that is completely wrong and creepy, but if I were Shania Twain, I'd never stop touching myself. Yeah. <laughs> I would never leave the fucking house. So this was taken from her third studio album, Come On Over, written by Twain with her longtime collaborator and then-husband Robert John Mutlang, who was also who also produced the track. The song was released to first to North American country radio stations in March 1999 as the seventh single from the album. How many tracks were on the album? I, I don't know. Assumingly 15. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. It's almost half. And later it was released worldwide in September 1999. Man, I Feel Like a Woman is a country pop song with lyrics about female empowerment. Let's feel this woman. Just gotta say, feel the woman? Yes, please. The title and thus the lyrics of the song were based on Twain's experience while working at Deerhurst Resort in Huntsville, Ontario, to provide for her brothers and sisters after their parents died in a car crash. Twain recalls seeing some drag performers working at the resort and credits them as the source of her inspiration. Later, in 1993, after being signed to Mercury Nashville and releasing her first album, Shania Twain, Twain met Robert John Mutt-Lang, whom she would collaborate extensively with and marry at the end of the year. In 1994, while composing songs for what would become her second studio album, The Woman and Me, Lang played to Twain a riff he had been working on, and Twain sang lyrics for what would become Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Speaking of the writing of the song, she stated there was no time to waste on ideas that wouldn't make the album, but something like the song was just there. I was inspired right off the bat with that one. For example... By a riff Mutt had going, and the lyrics and phrasing just came out of the blue. Okay, so not only is she hot, but it's a fun song. Oh, it's yeah. A, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's it's about drag queens. It's a great, peppy, upbeat song. The video. I don't think I've ever oh, seen my the God. video. You remember Robert Palmer's video with all the women playing the Addicted to Love? Yes. It's a role reversal where it's her singing in like men's clothes and it's got a bunch of guys doing that thing but she is dressed up in like the t- the coat and tails oh, okay oh my god really easy on the eyes i might and have to go check that one out mutt lang cheated on her and they ended up getting divorced did you see what he cheated on her with no no that dude should be ashamed of himself <laughs> it's like princess Char- or prince charles with camilla versus princess die well, yeah. That was a what was I thinking situation. <laughs> well, you know, but it's not always about looks, Lou. No, I understand that. And I mean, for all we know, Shania Twain could be a little douche bucket. Could very well be. Uh, everything I've read kind of says to the contrary. Okay. But at the same time, too, I mean, maybe there's stuff that doesn't make the news. Right. But either way, no, she's, as I mentioned, she's got a great voice. She's really easy on the eyes and actually still is. I saw her on... Um, uh, America's Got Talent recently, actually. Okay, okay. And she still looks damn good. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I enjoy it. I enjoy a lot of her stuff, even her country stuff, even her more recent, like, Up and everything else that was more peppy and pop-related. Mm-hmm. She does just go, does good work, and she's a Canuck. Yeah, all right. So what do you got next? All right, next we're going to go with a little bit of Zach Brown Band, featuring Jimmy Buffett. Excellent. We got Knee Deep. Now, Zachary, without an E, or an A, just spelled weird, Alexander Brown, the 11th of 12 kids. Holy shit, mama, close your legs. No lie. Was given his mom's guitar when he was eight years old, and one of his dentist stepfather's patients was charged with teaching him how to play classical guitar. 
Okay. He worked on it for a couple of years, but developed a love for bluegrass while playing with his dad and brother on weekend visits. He spent about a year being vocally tutored by a coach from his church and while in his mid-teen years. When he was still in high school, he had some gigs performing country and pop cover songs by the age of 19, and he was touring in the southeast U.S. with a drummer and his dog, laying the foundation for what would later become the Zac Brown Band. He and the band toured heavily and self-released the first album, Homegrown, in 2005. In 2008, they signed with Live Nation Records, which was later acquired by Atlantic. Later that year, their second album, The Foundation, was released, and that's where they really claimed they really kind of hit their stride and went to stardom. They've continued touring and releasing albums as well as collaborating with many other artists, including this one where they went with Jimmy Buffett. Knee Deep is just a great little song. Let's take a quick listen. Wishing I was knee deep in the water somewhere. Got the blue sky breeze and it don't seem fair. Only worry in the world is the tide gonna reach my chair. Sunrise, there's a fire in the sky Never been so happy, never felt so high And I think I might have found me my own kind of paradise Now, as of writing this, they've released six studio albums, 22 singles, 13 of which have gone to number one, so, wow, better than half. Yeah. Knee Deep is just a fun and relaxing song. Uh, the singer just has an I really don't give a shit about anything and an OL mentality which often is found parallel to much of Jimmy Buffett's style, which is why I think this collaboration really works. Is it country? Sure, but it could be said that Margarita, Margaritaville Island style instead, so it could be my, kind of an island style type music as well, so it could go well in a bar, it could, or it could be played in a cantina. It's just a fun song. I mean, Zach Brown's got a great voice, Jimmy Buffett. Has a Jimmy Buffett voice. Jimmy Buffett can't really hold a tune, but he's got Jimmy Buffett voice and he's entertaining. And together, I think they just work perfect. What do you yeah, think? I, I have to agree. I like this song. I like this song a lot. It's just, like you said, it's just a song about being lazy on the beach. I mean... It's just, I don't, again, I don't give a shit. I don't care. I got my feet in the water. I got my ass in the sand. And, you know, adding Jimmy to this actually, I think, made the song better. Not because of his vocal prow, 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 prowess. prowess, but because there's something about Jimmy lending his name to it that really makes it that island-type song. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's a great song, and it's just like, let's go to the beach, sit down, let's get drunk. And, the, and like the song even says, the only in the world I have is the tide going to reach my chair. Yep. If that's the biggest thing you have to worry about, more power to you, man. Yeah, exactly. So what do you think next? Uh, up next, I'm going to go with Somebody Like You. It's a song co-written and recorded by Australian country music singer Keith Urban. It was released in July 2002 as the first single from his 2002 album Golden Roll and his fifth American single release. The song spent six weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot Country Singles and Tracks, now the Hot Country Songs, chart and peaked at number 23 on the Billboard Hot 100. In December 2009, Billboard also named it the number one country song of the first decade of the 21st century. How do you like that for a title? Sure. <laughs> In 2003, the song was remixed for the movie How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Here's to someone like you. has released a total of nine studio albums, one of which was released only in the United Kingdom, as well as one album with The Ranch. He has charted 37 singles on the U.S. Hot Country Songs chart, 18 of which went to number one. So, so just, just about uh, half. Just about half. Counting a duet with Brad Paisley and 2008 single You Look Good in My Shirt, which he previously recorded on Golden Road. There also include his third Grammy Award-winning single, Sweet Thing, from the album Defying Gravity. Urban is also known for his roles in the, as a coach on the Australian version of the singing competition The Voice and as a judge on American Idol. Since 2006, he has been married to actress Nicole Kidman. Uh, kind of jealous. No shit. In October 2013, Urban introduced his own signature line of guitars and accessories. 
So the song, it's just, it's kind of a nice little love song. You know, it's a, you know, I'm looking for somebody like you. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I have somebody like you. I, I mean, it's an okay song. It's not, it's not something that's going to knock your socks off. But lyrically, it's pretty, it's a perfect country song. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a great country love song. He's got a really good voice, in my opinion, I think. And he puts on a really good show. And he's got really good choice in women. Well, yeah. And that's, I just remember, you know, because everybody knew about him, her being Australian and then married to Tom Cruise. And then she kicked him to the curb or whatever the case was. And then comes Keith Urban. And I'm just like, ah. Damn you. That was supposed to be my turn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, um, I enjoy Keith Urban. Like I said, I think he puts on a really good show, and his music is just fun. And this one is a really good – this is one of those for your love mix, if you're making yeah, love oh yeah, for your significant absolutely. other. I mean, because you, you can't go wrong with it. No, I agree. So what do you got next? Next we're going to go talk about a little bit of booty. <sighs> we got some honky-tonk badonkadonk. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in here because I wrote exactly one line about this song. A song about booty. That's it. I like it. The video, <laughs> the video is amazing. I didn't watch the video, but I think I'm gonna have to. Yes. All right. Now continue. Okay. So Trace Adkins is the gentleman we're talking about here. He got his interest in music as a young age, as being taught how to play guitar by his dad. Before getting into music, he dabbled in a ton of things. Um, he wrecked his knee in college, which not even allowing him to play a game, which is why he dropped out to work on an oil rig, which I think we had a prior guy who did the same thing, didn't we? Went to work on oil. Wasn't that Garth Brooks? No. Yeah, no, but it was one of your first ones, yeah. Yeah. Eventually he started playing Honky Tonks, and in the dream scenario it happened that he got signed on the spot with Capital Nashville in Tennessee. I didn't think that ever happened. Yeah, that's why it's the dream scenario, you know? Well, I know, but... Um, he released his debut album in 96, and by the beginning of 2001 had three albums out. Later that year, he had to cancel his tour due to being hurt in a tractor accident. Gone country right there. Talk about rednecky. You got it. A little later, he did a short stint in rehab. He continued touring and released the albums through the 2000s with continued success. He's still touring and releasing singles regularly as recently as March of 2017, and in his off time, finger quotes, he is the host of a serious XM radio station that plays Billboard Top 30 songs from the same week but a different year called Throwback 30, and is also on two iterations of The Apprentice, Celebrity, where he came in second to Piers Morgan, and All-Star, where he won it all, notably breaking the record for the highest amount of money raised by a charity by one person, $1.5 million for the American Red Cross. Wow. Yeah. Honky Tonk Badonkadonk. It's about ass. I mean, really. Let's let's just get into it quick, and then we'll start talking a little. Yeah, yeah. Honky Tonk and curvy rhythm make you wanna swing along got it going on like donkey kong and ooh, he shut my mouth slap your grandma there ought to be a law get the sheriff on the phone lord and mercy how she even get them bitches on that honky tongue but donkey kong it's a country song about country women's fine asses there's not really much more to say about it. It's a great song to listen to, and if you're in the club or bar, women seem to love to dance to it and shake it all over for it. Country twerking, per se. Yeah, one could say that. And, and for the casual observer, such as myself, it was a rather nice show. A little interesting piece of trivia also, that in his younger years, he lost a pinky on his left hand using a knife to open a bucket. Again, if that ain't redneck, holy fuck, what was it? And how, did, how sharp was that knife to lose a goddamn finger? I know, that's taking a digit right out. The doctors had to reattach it at an angle so he could play guitar. <laughs> and the son of a bitch is huge. The guy's six six. Yeah, yeah. The guy's a monster. Nicest guy though. Everything I've read is that the dude is just an amazingly nice guy. And, and he's got he's got an amazing voice. Oh, he does. He's just got that such. He doesn't quite have the the low register of the dude from the Oak Ridge Boys, but he is low. He's low. He's got a very low baritone, high bass type voice with the twang too. Yeah, so low oh, yeah. with the twang. I mean, I just I I like his stuff. Oh this, yeah, this as well as a lot of his other stuff. It's just entertaining. I agree. I agree. All right, so let's move on to your next one. All right, my next one is how do you like me now? No, seriously, Ooh, how do you like me now? Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> How Do You Like Me Now is a song co-written and recorded by American country music artist Toby Keith. It released in November 1999 as a second single and track title from his album of the same name. 
Keith wrote it with Chuck Cannon. The song spent five weeks at number one on the Billboard U.S. Hot Country Songs beginning in March 2000. It was his first major crossover hit, peaking at number 31 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. The song was also the first number one single for the now-defunct DreamWorks Nashville label. The song also became the fourth number one hit of his career and his first since Me Too in 1997. At the 2001 Academy of Country Music Awards, the song was nominated for Single of the Year and Song of the Year. So, how do you like me now? Besides, you had too many boyfriends to mention And I played my guitar too loud How do you like me now? How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my way You still think I'm crazy Standing here today I couldn't make you love me But I always dreamed about so Keith discussed the inspiration for the song on his website in 2000. Initially, I said, here's my title. You never loved me before, so how do you like me now? It's one of my catchphrases. A lot of people become successful after they've been told they won't ever be, so people can relate to this. It can be about an old flame or a boss or a teacher, whatever it means to each individual. It was a fun song to write. Keith had originally recorded the song near the end of his contract with Mercury Records, Nashville, in the late 1990s. According to a 2005 interview with Billboard, Keith had the album How Do You Like Me Now completed, but label executives rejected the entire album except for two songs, Get You Some and If a Man Answers, both of which were put on his 1999 Greatest Hits album. After he recorded two more songs which were also rejected, he asked to terminate his contract with Mercury and purchased the rights to the rest of the album. Upon the album's release in late 1999, both the album and its lead single, When Love Fades, were performing poorly on the charts as a result. Keith asked that When Love Fades be withdrawn as a single in favor of How Do You Like Me Now? Keith stated that DreamWorks executives were scared to put it out, but within five days of Keith's request, When Love Fades was withdrawn and How Do You Like Me Now was released. Uh, it's a great song, great video, takes place on a football field with the, the girl that snubbed him in high school she was the valedictorian and all that kind of stuff and and now he's just like check it out bitch exactly you know and it's another storyteller song it's still country but this one's also moving towards a little bit more rock right right i enjoy toby keith's stuff i do for the most part as well generally speaking right he does get rocking on this one and it it made me think of and i know he did it first but it's almost like CeeLo green's forget you song where Mm -hmm. it's like you know she doesn't want me doesn't want me and now that i'm successful she does and it's like you know what fuck you Right. Except Toby Keith's just a little bit more tactful about it. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But, no, I like it. I enjoy it um, as part of the overall catalog. I'd say it's one of his better ones. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, he's had some great music out there, but one of my favorite songs he did on the Bob and Tom show. Hmm? He did a song called I'll Never Smoke Weed with Willie Again. I've heard of that, yes. <laughs> it's hilarious. And I just heard it the other morning driving into work, and I'm like, I got to bring that up on the podcast because it's hilarious. If you guys get a chance, go out there. It's all over YouTube. I'll never smoke weed with Willie again by, uh, by, uh, Toby Keith. Yeah. That's the guy. (laughs) Maybe I was smoking Willie's weed. Apparently so, (laughs) but you just forgot. I maybe. Anyway. So what do you got next? All right. Next we're going to go with a little Blake Shelton. The song is old red. Now Blake Shelton, or as most people know him as the country guy from the voice, um, is another re- relatively new addition to the country music genre. Uh, started singing as a kid and was taught to play guitar by his uncle around age 12. By mid-teens, he had written his first song, and then after graduating high school, he moved to Nashville to pursue his country music career. Ah, uh, the dream. Eventually, in 2001, he was signed and released a self-titled album, where it went to the highest point of number three on the country charts. He continued to tour and release albums in the coming years, including a Christmas album, which seems to be pretty much a requisite for country artists. Because I dare you to find a countryist who hasn't done at least one Christmas Oh, God, album. yeah. I mean, but it's easy money for him. Exactly. You sing the standards and everybody buys the shit. Yup. He is still recording and works on The Voice with other reality TV, as well as other reality TV shows as a judge. Um, he's released a total of 10 studio albums and 36 singles, 24 of them going to number one. Wow. 24 of 36. That is a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, that's uh, that's 66%, give or take a percent. Yeah, and that's since going active in 2001. So in the last 16 years, two-thirds of his song, his singles that he's released have been number one. Yep. That's damn impressive. That, that is. 
and Olred, about a dog. We'll get a little bit more information on this one here. It's about a, a prison dog. And let's take a quick listen on that one. But all these years that I've been here and nobody got past red. And the warden's saying, come on somebody, why don't you run? Old Red's itching to have a little fun. Get my lantern, get my gun. Red'll have you treat for the morning Old Red was originally recorded by George Jones, who we did speak about before, and then covered by Kenny Rogers, and finally by Blake Shelton. Shelton's version never hit top ten, but was one of his most popular songs and is most commonly requested. Really? Yeah, that surprised me. Um, the guy, the song's about a guy who catches his wife with another guy and pops them both and gets a 99 years sentence for a crime of passion. He goes to prison and befriends the warden and tends to the title character Old Red, a bloodhound that has foiled every prisoner escape attempt known right i remember the song in college this is one of my drinking songs in college actually and it's whenever it would be played it was just something about it that was fun i mean i understand it's about a guy who crime of passion murder and escape in prison but it's still just an entertainingly fun song i I don't know i mean shelton makes this bad situation just entertaining with this version of the song little piece trivia about shelton actually is that legendary country songwriter bobby braddock wrote i want to talk about me which the label decided wouldn't work as a leadoff single for Blake Shelton, so Toby Keith released right, it. Right, yeah. And it went to number one. Um, I don't think Shelton's really worried about it because he's doing pretty good on his own. Yeah, I think he's doing all right. So apparently you're not a fan of my uh, my information on this. So what do you have to say about Old Red? Well, it's not that I'm not a fan of your information. It's you just took all my information. <laughs> but, you know, when I when I heard the, when I saw the title, Old Red, I, I immediately thought of the George Jones version of the song because that's what I knew. And then... I'm like, well, he couldn't have redone it, but he did, which is fine. I mean, I think he did a great job with it, too. Uh, you know, it's just a guy, like you said, it's just, I, I really enjoy this. It's about a guy who killed his wife, killed a man, spent some time in prison, he wanted to get the fuck out, so his cousins brought up a, a bitch in, a bitch in um, heat, and they trained old Red to go get a piece, and he went the other way, and he was gone. So you'd say this would be a successful cover? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, so, would, I would call this a successful cover. Okay. It's, I mean, because I know when we did our first covers, like around, what, the first two or three episodes, we talked about successful or not, and this could have made a good cover. Yeah, I think this could make a good cover song. So that's really all I have to say about it. All right. Well, why don't you lead us up with the next one? All right. So up next, um, we're going to have another artist that I'm not a big fan of. Before He Cheats is a song written by Chris Tompkins and Jeff Keir and the third wide-release single from Carrie Underwood's debut studio album, Some Hearts, in 2005. It was the fifth release from the album overall. The song tells the story of a woman taking revenge on her potentially, and, and I have to highlight that word, potentially. Oh, I have mentioned, I have stuff. Unfaithful boyfriend slash husband. The song became an enormous crossover success, topping the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart for five consecutive weeks reaching the top five on the Billboard Adult Top 40 chart, and becoming a top 10 hit on the Billboard Mainstream Top 40 and Adult Contemporary charts. On the Billboard Hot 100 chart, Before He Cheats reached number eight and achieved a longevity of 64 consecutive weeks on the chart, making it the sixth longest charting single in the history of the Hot 100 chart. Carefully, carefully listen to this. She imagines him hanging out and flirting with a bleach blonde girl, shooting pool, buying her a drink, dancing, and hoping to get lucky with her. In retaliation, she vandalizes his customized four-wheel drive vehicle by keying the sides, carving her name into its leather seats, smashing the headlights with a Louisville Slugger baseball bat, and slashing all four tires. All of these actions are part of her hopes that this will make him think before he cheats again. Although the song is about a tale of revenge, according to Carrie Underwood, while she has been cheated on before, I wouldn't recommend doing any property damage, though. I'm a let-it-go, move-on kind of person. Just like Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Carrie Underwood, winner of the first American Idol. I thought that was Kelly Clarkson. Oh, wait, you're right. She was one of the first few. Yeah, she won one of the, maybe, okay, you're right. Yeah, you're right. But she was a winner of American Idol. I didn't like her on American Idol. I was upset when she won. I don't really like her body of work because it all seems to be this kind of Taylor Swift revengey, catty, catty stuff. Yeah, that's a good word for it. But it's just not my style of music. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It, it is what it is. Lou picked the song. He made me do it. What do you got about it? Well, I was going to say, Carrie Underwood took a page from Taylor Swift's playbook on relationships and how to deal with them, and that translation being guys are terrible cheating assholes, and because of which it's justified and she gets away with vandalism. Yeah. Sure, it sucks that the guy is cheating or not really proven to be because she says he's probably. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I could probably be running over nuns and children, but I'm not. I'm not saying I hadn't thought about it, but I'm not. Anyways... It's certainly not the first time a cheater gets his stuff wrecked, but this is one of the biggest mainstream songs that actually glorifies it. A great message for impressionable people. Yeah, especially young girls, to teach them that all men are garbage. And that they can just, if you don't like somebody, you can just wreck their shit and call it a day. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm not a fan of this message at all. I mean, it's it's a country song. It's got a little bit of a rock to it. I mean, musically... If it weren't for the lyrics, musically, it wouldn't be that bad. Yeah, no, the music itself is pretty but good. But I, I, I can't get behind the lyrics on this one. Yeah, so let's move on. What's your last one? My last one is a little Kenny Chesney with She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy. Talk about redneck. No shit, right? Little, and I say little because the dude's barely over five feet tall, Kenny Chesney is a true Tennessee native country star. Ain't that country. That doesn't get much more country than that. He got his first guitar for Christmas and taught himself how to play around his high school years. In 1989, he recorded a self-released demo in Virginia that sold a thousand copies, which helped him buy a new guitar. After college, he went to Nashville and performed in clubs and honky-tonks until he got signed with Capricorn. His first album, My Wild In My Wildest Dreams, was released in 1994, which did okay, hitting the U.S. Heat chart. Fuck is the Heat chart? I don't know, but it, it charted, man. Yeah, at 37. He didn't really hit stardom until his third studio album, Me and You, which was released in 1996, which is where, which hit number one on the heat chart again, and which is where, not quite where this song came out, my bad. A couple albums and a few years later in 2002, his first super hit album, No Shirt, No Shoes, No Problem, came out going four times platinum. In 2003, he did the obligatory Christmas album, All I Want for Christmas is a Real Good Tan. <laughs> That's like kind of that. awesome, actually. I kind of like that, yeah. And he's continued to release albums and tour ever since. Now, she thinks my tractor's sexy. I mean, it's. I, I, let's just listen to it because really there's not a whole lot of. They, it, there's no subtlety about it. Just shut up and let's listen to it. She thinks my tractor's sexy. It really turns her on. She's always staring at Now, much like Jimmy Buffett, Chesney has a name for his pans, and that's the No Shoes Nation, originating from his No Shoes, No Shirt, No Problem, and the island and pirate theme on much of his albums. Since he started, he's released 16 studio albums, 62 singles, 27 of which hit number one. Less than half, but it's still respectable. Now, She Thinks My Tractor Sexy is probably one of the twangiest of all the modern ones on this list. Deals with a very country topic of being on the farm. The singer talks about working out in the fields and country life and how his lady thinks that farming life and his tractor is sexy. There's no hidden meaning in this. There's no subtlety. There's no hidden meaning. She gets wet by his tractor. Okay. It's, it's, it, 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 she, she thinks my tractor's sexy. It really turns her on. She gets wet pants because he's a farmer. You know? Yeah, I, I hear you. It, it is a song for true rednecks. It's nice I, and upbeat, though. I, I think mean, it's a great song. I really do. I enjoy this song. And I can't really verbalize why, but it's just one of those things. Maybe because in my heart of hearts, I'm a little redneck myself. I think everybody is to a little bit of a degree. Yeah. It's I, just admitting it. I have no problems admitting it. You know, I, I grew up this way. Country music was a way of life for me. I mean, it's something I'm never going to get away from. Yeah, I suppose. You know, but it is what it is. So 
Last week, you had the bonus song. Yep, and I understand you've got a bonus one for I us tonight? I do have a bonus one for All us right, tonight. All right, what you got? Well, I'm going to preface this one a little bit. I really wanted to put this one on the classic country song. It was too late, wasn't it? It was, by a couple years. But it's still very classic sounding. Okay? So, Forever and Ever, Amen, is a song written by Paul Overstreet and Don Schiltz and recorded by American country music artist Randy Travis. It was released in March 1987 as the first single from the album Always and Forever and became Travis's third number one single on the U.S. Billboard Hot Country Singles chart. In 1987, Forever and Ever, Amen won a Grammy for Best Country and Western Song and an Academy of Country Music Award for Song of the Year. It was certified gold by the RIAA on April 29, 2014, making it Travis's first solo single to earn an RIAA certification. The song has also sold 966,000 digital copies since it became available for download. Listen forever and ever. Amen. Baby, I'm gonna love you forever. Forever and ever. Amen. As long as old men sit and talk about the weather. As long as old women sit and talk about old So Randy Bruce Trawick, better known by his stage name Randy Travis, is an American country music singer, songwriter, guitarist, and actor. With a name like Trawick, I would have changed you... it too. See, I would have taken it because it's a great country singer song name. Okay, I can buy that. But, but then anyway, again, Randy Travis is pretty damn country too. It is pretty damn country. So since 1985, he has recorded 20 studio albums and charted more than 50 singles on the Billboard Hot Country Single Songs charts, and 16 of these were number one hits. Considered a pivotal figure in the history of country music, Travis broke through in the mid-1980s with the release of his album, Storms of Life, which sold more than 4 million copies. The album established him as a major force in the neo-traditional country movement. Travis followed up his successful debut with a string of platinum and multi-platinum albums. He is known for his distinctive baritone vocals, delivered in a traditional style that has made him a country music star since the 1980s. I thought it was classic music. I thought it was classic it country. Like it. Right, because it's a neo he's part of this neo traditional movement that happened in the in the in the eighties. It's like the, the people that it's like the paleo diet people eating older stuff even though they're living in modern times. He sings older stuff even though he lives in modern times. Right. You know, it it's a great song though. It's a it's just a song about, you know, making that promise. It's mm-hmm. it's it's played at a lot of weddings. Yep, absolutely. You know, that kind of thing. But this is I'm, another good love disc. Another good love song, yeah, for the for a love mix for someone you would want to do this for. But I really enjoy this song. I really enjoy Randy Travis, which really shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. Right. And I don't know, what what did you think of that song? Um, Dude's got a good voice. I'm just going to start with that. Um, he's been around for fucking ever. I mean, the guy, he's got to be at like 80 by now. Actually, no, he, he Probably didn't not. come out till the 80s. Well, he just, apparently he just seems like he's been around, probably because of his style of music. Could be, yeah. Um, it, despite being modern country, he still stays true to his classic roots, which you had mentioned. It's a little old and twangy sounding for me. I kind of figured. For a modern country song. It, you're, you're exactly right, though. It is a perfect one for a, a love CD, a love mixtape, or whatever. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a decent song. Um, not my favorite of the ones that we picked, but it's not a bad song. Fair enough. All right, so let's go ahead and let's let's do this trivia thing. All right. Let's see so, if I can become three for two or if I go to the negatives and I get two for three. <laughs> All right, so here, the trivia question again is, there are three, only three artists that have been named to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Country Music Hall of Fame. Name them. I will give it to you if you get at least two of them. Okay, I'm going to say Johnny Cash. That is one of them. I'm going to say... Uh, Hank Williams Jr. You got two. Who do you think the third is? I've been thinking about this, and I'm not really coming up with it, but let me think here for a second. I'm going to go, I'm going to say... I. You're going to kick yourself when you hear. Is it, uh, the only thing, I mean, it's more modern country, but I'm going to go with Toby Keith. Elvis Presley. Oh, shit, I should have known that. So, but you still got it because I told you if you so get I'm two out of three, three for so two. you are three for two now. Woo! Back in the positive. All right, so we finished up with a volume one of our modern country, and as many artists that we did get a chance to 
um, not talk about. I'm sure there's going to be a volume two down the road. I'm sure there is. As we uh, talked about also with uh, Classic, classic right? So we want to thank you guys for listening. Okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. And if you want to reach out to us and let us know how you like this episode, any other episode, you can do that. We have tons of ways for you to do that now. First of all, you can use email. You can reach us at musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at POI Network or at Musically Challenged Podcast. And I'm going to let Lou go ahead and tell you about the third way you can do this. Well, if you're into the Twitter, because <laughs> I'm going to act old and say the Twitter. <laughs> You can actually reach us at mcpodcast17 at our address. So just MC for Musical Challenge, podcast, the number 17. If you want to give us suggestions on what we sucked at, what we were good at, or if you feel like sending us a playlist, we'd be more than happy to review it. And, hell, we might even post it. Yeah, I mean, playlists playlists are going to become our bread and butter. We're hoping so, at least. You know, these are going to be the things where you get a chance to participate in the show. Mm -hmm. Get to tell us what to listen to. And we get to tell you what we think of what we listen to. So either way, thank you for listening. We look forward to talking to you guys next week. And we're out of here. Later. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.